Zane Lowe, Apple Music. This is the Zane Lowe interview series. I'm Hanuman. Thanks for joining another conversation. This week, it's Mars Volta. The Mars Voltas, Cedric and Omar, joined Zane in studio for a conversation around their self-titled album. They discussed how brotherhood before music brought them back together, the importance of mental health to the band's dynamic, and the highs and lows of the At The Drive-In reunion. I mean, the whole album starts to finish. I just want to say for the record, before we even begin, is incredible. Oh, thank you. Like... You've just put your heart and souls into this record and it is such a beautiful, soulful listen. But this one just, I almost had to pull a car over, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It just must be so lovely to be able to construct, having having made music to, to, having touched the void so hard with what's possible as a band and as creatives, to throw yourselves into the unknown, to not know what steps you're going to take on stage, in a studio, it's going to come out, it's just going to, it's going to present itself. To be able to actually make something that leans into arrangement like that has an <laughs> arrangement and it's so you can feel that you're stretching out trying to press all my buttons and all our buttons that makes sense <laughs> yeah it does <laughs> it must have been really nice to just give into that and i know you have in the past but to just let the song lead you in a weird way mm. like that well a lot of it has to do with the inspiration and vision that he had really you know i mean we've had this conversation and 2008, you know, where I was really kind of still in what people know Mars Volta to be. And it's a hard thing to to break out of, you know. And he was talking about, like, well, how would you feel about, you know, approaching it more like a pop thing? And I just couldn't have that. I couldn't our ver- Our it. version of a pop, yes. you know, within yeah. the context of what we are. Well, like, you probably hey, didn't like even know what a... that would be at that point, <laughs> right, right? But right. just the concept is a starting point. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to uh, years later go, oh, that's what you mean. Like, oh, of course, most of my collection is like... Is that? Is, is, is that. It's it's the Sunday morning record. You know, you really need a lot of those. And they help make validate that day and those feelings and anything that kind of like takes the air out of a room and makes you feel like you're in the trailer of your own movie. That's, I think that's proper pop music. <laughs> that's so beautifully described. You know, I, I wonder whether part of that resistance that you had early on, that, or not even resistance, just like inability to comprehend what Omar was saying, whether I was responsible for a bit of that. Not to be arrogant, but by, by, by me, I mean fans, by all of us. We embraced Mars Volta f- for what you'd given us at that time. And I, we didn't want anything less than that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And the trade is weird. Does it kind of fuck with your head a little bit knowing you've made something that moves us so much sometimes even you're not, not sure if you can break free of it? Oh, I get <laughs> It's just strange, the whole relationship with the fact that someone's going to listen to it. Because, I mean, at the beginning it was like, let's just make stuff that makes us happy. And handing in like the first EP and our uh, manager at the time, John Silva, was like, one minute long intro of just... <laughs> like really and we were like yeah and to to even name check another person gary gersh who we were working with at the time you know he was explaining like you can't really choose your audience your audience chooses you but then in my my head because i think we've grown up with so many people saying no to us in artistically it was like okay 
this is how you get your own audience. You you be really true to yourself and stubborn, and then you just get used to doing that for years and years and years, and then it's like you got to take a breath and do something different. I wish I'd have been able to have that communication with them earlier, but here we are. I'm so glad you're here. And by the way, sometimes opportunity is wasted on the youth. <laughs> sometimes you got to mature into a place where the, where the music is ready. Yeah. And and if you try to make this, who knows? Who knows what it would have been like? Yeah, I don't know what I would have been able to sing about back then. You know, I don't think I'd lived enough. I mean, I'm 47, but I, I'm, I have a lot more living to do. But uh, I don't think I've experienced a lot of... Um, I mean, you know, those early records deal with loss and deal with suicide and stuff like that, but I think they're sort of um, masked by some sort of sci-fi weird, you know, lyrics, you know, because it's hard for me back then to just be so vulnerable. And now I just find it like the best way to really access your art is to not be afraid to cry and be in those situations and just be you know it's it's tough it's okay to make people feel uncomfortable because that's humanity it's okay and it's so funny you talk about the concept of letting go because people always describe mars volta and some degree at the drive-in as this like experience that was all about letting go and the freedom of energy and and everything else but looking back on it now it was more about control (laughs) in a strange way right it's like how do i control this narrative how do i control the situation and what i hear in these performances is to your point you let it all out, man. It's like, yeah. was it an emotional record for you to perform for some of these? I mean, that song in particular I just started with, Shore Story, is like, there's some heartbreaking imagery in that. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, he t- he would send me CDs and you hear the paranoia in the lyrics. Yeah, very much and, so. And uh, I think it has a lot, w- the way we operated, we didn't send anything o- online to each other. It was He sent me a compact disc yeah. player and... <laughs> CDs and, and and so I that's one of the first things I heard was that that song was just like it just took the air out of the room and I felt like there I am I can picture this is this is some sort of cinema and it always goes back to cinema I think with this band is like this feels like the way I want my music to sound the way movies look and that's was like oh there's that song so what you is know? the scene the scene is uh the scene really is, you know, someone really expressing that just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean they're not coming after me. <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, we exist in a world where that is more and more present. Um, if, if we have to do is look at the news and feel that way. It's it's not like you need any major sort of, to, to be a major conspiracist to feel like you're on the wrong side of the table a lot of the time. Um, you do discuss that really, really eloquently and beautifully on this record. Um, but you needed the music to happen. So... How did you get to this place, Omar, where you knew that your ambitions to, to to take Mars Volta somewhere else could be, could come true? I don't know. It's just one of those things where everything just starts to line up, you know, and so it feels right. So everything's happening. It was just a matter of like, when I might make tracks, I'm not thinking of one project or the other. I'm just making a lot of tracks because because I'm alive and that's happening. <laughs> and And then all of a sudden, you know, it's sort of just like throwing the things throwing the music at him and seeing his reaction to it, like, that's all I look for, really. You know what I mean? Is to see what he gets excited about or what, or even just if he walks by and he goes, oh, what's that? Or if he asks a question about like, oh, you had that one thing, you know, and I sort of just compile all those. And it just, like he was saying, it all just lined up perfectly to where that's what we were going to be doing, I guess. 
You're I'm not being so eloquent right now. No, but you are beautifully. Like and and, and <laughs> what, what, what I'm taking from it is um, something that we don't focus enough on in the creative process, which is r- r- relationships. We talk a lot yeah. about results yeah. and process. Mm-hmm. We don't focus enough on friendship. And what this is in front of me here is like a real lifelong friendship that goes through ups and downs. And, and you can't come back together and be friends when you've had a falling out unless you're real friends. Yeah. Right. That's the mark of friendship. Right, is what right, it right, is. right, 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 yeah. right. But I need to kind of get, with your blessing, a little bit of timeline going on here because, well, first of all, I'm fascinated by breakups at all. Yeah. Like, I don't quite know why bands even have to say it. Like, right. mm-hmm. you, are, you came out of nothing. Right. Can't you just disappear back into nothing? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so what was going through your mind when you actually kind of said to us nearly 10 years ago, we are no longer a band? Just absolute dysfunction, absolute lack of communication, uh, the deterioration of, of my faith sort of in the relationship and letting other people sort of try to steer me into the lead singer role of no you can do this on your own you could do this and you know and, and people just really trying to um get a piece of the pie that they didn't help bake right. you know right. and just um falling for manipulation really and um and just not being mature about it really you know i mean we we have a very strong relationship and we usually tend to talk about any of our problems you know and at that particular time i think um it is life and it is the cycle of life and the cycle of death happening at the same at the same time and uh his mother was passing away and my kids were about to be born and there's this storm happening and i just handled it really poorly you know i handled it really really poorly and um and yet he towed the line and Never said anything, you know, just kind of like, let me be, really, you know. And yeah, and and anyone should be so lucky to have true friendship that way, you know. Because I think he understood that at the core of myself that there's no way like I hated him or anything like that. I was just going through some, just some messed up mental stuff really at the time and I just didn't handle it well. Omar, at that moment in time when you have something which has, it is perpetual you get something like mars volta going on it's almost must feel at times like you could take your hands off the wheel and the thing would drive itself because right. we're all here we love you right. and the industry's making money so they love you <laughs> right. and all these things are like dude you're a thing now it exists you don't have to fight so hard you have to push so hard you gotta do is just keep being yourselves make music keep touring just keep doing what you dreamt of doing what was going wrong for you at that moment in time why did it not make sense for you at that moment I don't know. Everything was pretty chaotic, like how he's explaining. And to lose um, literally the place that I come from, um, to lose my mother at the time, um, yeah, just, you know, it's cliche or whatever, but it's just uh, it, it put it prioritized everything. It made things that weren't important just drop off to the background. And um, like he's saying, even though he was acting crazy, I just, more than anything, more than to my ego to be offended or to like think about those types of things i just felt concerned for him because it it seemed out of character and it seemed like just you know it seemed absurd what was happening and so i was like okay there's something happening that's i worry about him um because yes you bring more to the foreground when you experience a death like the people you care about you bring them to the foreground and you say like okay i want to be present for this um 
and allow him to go through whatever he was going through. You know, the unfortunate part is that part. Like you're saying, like industry and all these things, you go and do an interview, like they love to tell you negative things. So because I don't read things about ourselves and I don't put my name into the machine, um, then people want to say like, oh, well, you know, he said that. And how do you feel about this thing he said right, about, right, you know? Right, right. So there's a lot of gotcha going on. Yeah, like, there was a lot yeah. of like always trying to get something. And, and my posture was um, so rooted in in family and faith and these things that are important to me that to me, my answer was always the same and it was always simple. There's nothing you can say that he said or there's nothing he can say that won't make me love him. Like this is, you know what I mean? This is like, it's all just absurd. And one day that will um, w- will dissipate, yeah. right? And, and like evaporate. Yeah. And then whatever's real is what will be left. And that's worth talking about and that's worth preserving. Yeah. And so, yeah. Because you were in the macro and you were in the micro. You were stuck in the granular and all the, all the, all the high frequency shit. I get it. Dude, it's really hard to not be in that. Yeah, I definitely yeah. went in the direction of... of the the death of his mother really showed a lot of true colors and people that were in our organization as well mm. you know and i went in that direction of caring about their needs which was like okay yes there's this happening to him but he's the leader and we got touring we need to do this we need to keep doing that you know because i've got my stuff and it's just always um, perpetual. Just yeah, and you know, so you, you you think about like that too. You go, oh yeah, what are we gonna do for the next year or whatever, you know? And he wanted to do his other project at the same time, which I would always give him his blessing. But then at the same time, I wasn't cool with it, you know. I didn't really truly speak my mind on it, you know. And even in that venture with with Bosnia and Rainbows, I think the roots of a lot of what the songwriting is now was taking form, you know. And it's a beautiful thing that happened, you know. That was a really cool band. It's really, it's 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 a time in life. You talked about it beautifully when you said, you know, the cycle of death and the cycle of life all at the same time. And um, I actually found becoming a father more challenging than I'm finding the passing of the people that, and, and everyone's circumstances are different. Like my mother's going through something right now and it's there's definitely a lot of grief going on. But I, I really like becoming a dad, like kind of, me up because I really had to like acknowledge my shortcomings and figure out who I wanted to be not who I'd inherited Mm -hmm. you know have you been on your own journey through that kind of experience I'm still trying to figure I'm still trying to unlearn all the stuff that affected me as a kid and not put that and it's it's difficult it's difficult because because men are usually taught not to do embrace that stuff it's seen as a weakness or something you know and when i speak of the cycle of life and death you know i i have i have twins and i think naturally with twins they bicker and if i'm going to be trying to instill peace in the house i have to be able to show by example that dad can be peaceful and and understanding and open with his soul brother you know and they really just sort of put it all into perspective for me you know and 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 as well as, as my wife, you know, my wife was like, he had written me a letter and, and I was so like in that persona of like, him, no, I'm not going to read it. And she was like, no, give him a chance, read it, read it, you know? And, um, then he came over. I remember one of the, one of the first times he came over and it was his reaction to, um, 
seeing my kids. No, man. This is life. And um, it just solidified. You know, it erased everything I thought, you know? And um, him and Terry coming over, and it was such an intense, beautiful moment. And I'll never forget it because that's like they brought us back together. This is where the music comes from in the first place. And then, and yeah. then, and it's then, real life shit, man. it's real life shit and we don't acknowledge it yeah. enough. Yeah. We sit there and, and we look at these, these, this arc and these songs and we embrace it and apply it and we move on. And why this music is so special is because that emotion that's in the room right now is on this yeah, record. You didn't resist it, it. You didn't reject it. Yeah. You embraced it and yeah. let it come out. Yeah. It's really moving. It's it's a moving <laughs> album. I love it. What was the first song you guys worked on that made it onto the record? Where did the music actually begin? I mean, technically, you could say it's Graveyard Love. Yeah. But what's the what's the one when you came to my the spot okay. on Echo Park and I just gave you the that one microphone and we just shot the oh uh, and I just came out. Cerulea then the the um. Can I hear that? If the walls mean. Ah, okay, we're being clever. Yeah, we he was in a house in in Echo Park, and it was like um, you had everything kind of set up almost on the floor and stuff, and then one of the songs came on, and I think within a, a second I was like, just stop and let's record the first reaction, mm. and I always do gibberish mm. first, and then try to form it into a, a sentence or a word, mm. and instantly it just all kind of came out right then and there, and. Uh, it was just one of those, I always use the phrase, but it's just one of those alchemical obscurities of like, ah, oh, that's that lightning in a bottle. How thing. can you not believe in the magic of art and music? <laughs> How can you not when something like that happens? And you've experienced this multiple times in your life now. What is the latest in your understanding of what that is? How, and there's no right answer here because you probably never come to a full conclusion. What's the closest thing you can, you can that you've come to in understanding what that experience feels like when it's not in your control, like it's coming from somewhere else altogether. It's some sort of communion with the idea of God. I don't know what that entity is, what it looks like, whether it's female or male. It's probably none of that. So to be able to pull from it and not not just say it in cliche, but actually feel it, you know, when we, we've said so many times, you know, a lot of the times we're, we're antennas. And we're, a lot of that information, especially for me, it's, it's constant in my head. And so the beauty of his music is like a really good, uh, it, it, it slows down everything. And I'm able to go, oh, there, like that, that. And then doing that, I really feel a closeness with, you know, what I see faith as being. You know, and, and I don't mean it in the organized religion sense because I think that's where it gets really messed up and becomes, you know, consumerism and becomes just sort of like this opiate of the masses. But I think through music, when you hit those moments, it's uh, it's just communication with some version of God. When you when it comes to making the music, Omar, and, I, and you, you, you talked before about just searching for that moment that inspires Cedric, something that inspires you. Do you have a sort of environment in, in either place that you call home that that 
encourages that? Like, do you need routine or a space to be able to make the music that you that 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 you make? Oh no, no, because it's more like he says, like the antenna. I feel like I'm just called upon, and I either answer the call or I don't. Right. I either choose to sit down and write it down, or or like just put it down in some way. Or I go eat something, you know, or I go or I go watch a movie or something. But you know so. what? Neil Young said something to me once, which was awesome. What she said was, I never don't heed the call. He mm -hmm. goes, like, I could be at something that is so important to the people I love the most in the world. And if if it strikes me, I have to just leave and go and focus on it for as long as I need to. And I said, man, that, you know, how do people re relate to that? And he's like, well, they know me. <laughs> and they know this is who I am yeah. and what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. How do you, like, you must just heed the call. Otherwise, you just become obsessive when you're what you're missing and what's not there. Not really, because it's just happening all the time. So it's like oversaturation. And it's sort of like, um, I don't know, just family is really important to me. So I can't imagine just, I mean, sometimes, sure. But in general, I consider it. I consider that my relationship with everyone and my father and my brothers and my mother and like my culture, like all these things are actually what opens my mind wide enough to just to receive the call and to have it be so much all the time. So for me, it's the opposite. I think there's something really nice ab about saying like, no, I, I have a life also. Do you know what I mean? And I have to live a real life because that's also, I, I understand his point. I also think it's sort of like this mythology of, um, of artistry, and I also think it just uh, there's the the line is about uh, selfishness. Like, how can you really be a real person if all the time everyone you're around all the time has to like be on it? Oh no, no, he's got to go create. It's very important, right? Right. You know, right, and right, like right. um, I don't consider it so important. It's sort of like it's happening with or without us. And if I don't grab the idea, someone else will grab it, and I'm okay with that. And I figure the ones that are um, that are really uh. There's a spa saying in Spanish that uh, roughly translated is like uh, um, uh, the grass that is meant for you, no other cow could eat or something. It doesn't sound as nice in English, but <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, my point I, I, I want to make is, is, is that, um, that what's meant for you is meant for you and that there, there's not this necessity to um, consume everything all the time. You know, and it's a hard thing to break away from because that's our uh, nature as an organism that has like this self-aware intellectual part of it, right? That that's a mortality and all these things. So it's like, okay, let me just consume as much as I can. Make the most the of the time you have. And yes, hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah. Exactly right. And so, like in doing that, you 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 lose out on a whole bunch of other things. Just like in worrying about certain problems, you lose out on the ability to be open to like to see the solution and things like this. Mm -hmm. So I figure the more time I spend uh, alive as a person with meaningful relationships and giving and taking and, and uh, like when you also have to like, like yes, I'd rather do this thing, but, uh, but I know it's important to this person that I do this other thing. So I'll go to this uh, sacrifice. Right. 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 Like uh, unless you're living a full robust life like that, I think the, the, the amount of like your antenna or whatever just sort of starts to close up because then it's all becoming about you. And I, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested sort of just in the creative spirit and my relationship to it in, in that way. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, 
yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. No, it's beautiful. And it, it makes sense as well when you trace it back to that moment when you were more concerned about Cedric's well-being than you were necessarily about like the architecture of the band or what it was or any of that stuff. That, that you, was that, the least important. It was like if right. the band went away and never happened again, it would like that would just be what happened. Do you know what I mean? Did, like you, feel that, the same, just, did you feel the same way when... Like when you were really young, like when at the drive-in broke up, did you feel the same way then? Were you more, were you as philosophical then as you could be at that moment in your life? I guess so, because I, I don't know if philosophical is the word, but, but it was definitely just this thing about, uh, about feelings. And it just, that's why the decision to leave the band, it just felt wrong. Yeah. And it wasn't, there was something that wasn't uh, holistic yeah. about the experience that, yeah. that what I was doing could mirror um, how I was living or vice versa, that how I was living was being mirrored by the experience that I was having artistically or as a career yeah. or whatever else. Yeah. And so like the human experience and the, the actual lived life experience will always come first. It's so hard to explain to people who haven't got to this, that point in, in their life's journey that can understand what we all hopefully will all understand, which is that. Yeah. Right? But when you're young and you're like, look, it doesn't feel right and it's not holistic for me. And then you've got other people around you going, yeah, but there's so many other reasons for us to stay together. It's working. We're just breaking through. We're getting booked. There's money. All these things that I've dreamed of are happening. And then you sort of are like meditating through this experience going, I can't do it. That's kind of, you've got to be brave. I'm, I don't know if you want to be called that, but there's a bravery to it because... Well, 20 years ago, that mental health was not a topic matter in rock music. It was like, shut up, get up on stage. You should be so lucky yep. that people even care about that. And it's like, we're human, you know? And that's exactly what it was. We were, we were exercising a rule that the drive-in had had at the time, which is like, if this feels like it's not there, if someone's got an issue with it, are you burnt out, you know? Like, mental health. And we, we, we hit the mental health button, you know, and everyone around us freaked out about that because it's very true. There is their perspective to consider. Yes, you've worked so hard to get to this point, right? But I'm human. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, if I'm a cell phone, I have not been plugged in and recharged properly. And if I get on stage, that's going to live forever, that meltdown. And great for you guys. Oh, on YouTube, let's watch that blub moment, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. But for us, it's let's we're not human. Do that. No, yeah, that's it's the strongest thing to be able to say, like, we, it's it's about here and here right now, and it doesn't feel right. Zane, Zane, in the same way, it could be seen. Sorry, just to counter what you were saying about like about. Uh, 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 about uh, what's the word you use about bravery? Yeah. It could also be seen as an act of cowardice as well, because it was like. The greatest fear is to like go down that path that you see that will lead to self-destruction. So I was like, I would rather do anything else than to put myself in that position. You know what I mean? So you're like, you can act out of fear and it can still be a positive thing as long as you've broken down the elements. Holy shit. You know I gotta I mean? drop one. You won't hear it, but this is a rare thing. <laughs> I had to drop a bomb on that because that is like like that is something I've never thought about, right? I'm I'm very committed to the conversation. I'm someone who suffered from mental health. I wasn't strong enough as a kid to talk about it openly, but I do now. Yeah. In any opportunity I can and have had some really amazing experiences diving into this from an artistic point of view. I feel that's like like my calling now at this point in my life of 49 is to do something like that. The way you just position that as cowardice is super interesting to me because we always talk about like be brave take it head on no, no, no. no it's okay to run away from that fear yes 
it's actually probably the smartest thing you could do. Yeah, pe people always tell you, like, don't be a quitter. Yeah. Don't be a quitter, you know, and yeah. then you, it, it stays in here in your psyche and you go, God, God, I don't want to be a quitter and look at the men in my family before then. They didn't quit and they went through crazier stuff without cell phones and this and this convenience and all this stuff like we talk about, right? But that can be the best ally you have is to pay attention to that intuition, that voice in your head that says, take a break or just leave. That's normal. It's also wired in our organism, right? It's like our ancestors was like, oh, that bush is moving. It's probably something that wants to kill me. I'm going to run. Yeah, you know what totally. I mean? I'm going to go here. I heard totally, this sound. Totally. I go out in the country quite often, like in the middle of nowhere, and as soon as I hear a rustle in the bush, you're right, man. It's that fight or flight kicks in. Exactly. Instinctively. It's like, what am I going to do? Exactly. It's you fear, know? but it's survival. It's like, you know, and then there's other things that are like maybe going into the cave that, you feel differently about that does require a certain amount of bravery and just saying, okay, I must go into the darkness to find a certain element, you know, that, that I am afraid of. But I think it's the ability to be able to break them down and to not feel, um, uh, shame. That's the word I was saying. And to not feel shame or guilt for that. Well, those are the two most destructive words in the human glossary, <laughs> in the right. human vernacular of shame and guilt. Those are the killers. They'll kill yeah. you. They'll, they'll kill you. <laughs> right, right. Like if you let them dominate your life, it ends with death. Right. One way or the other. Um, so, okay, what is a band then? If, if we are just that organism that ultimately is still afraid of the dark and not sure what that rustle in the bushes is and we're, and we're looking to try and find ways to, to, to grow past that, what is what role does a band? What role does the bard, the, the the artist, play? What have you learned about that experience of going into a room of five thousand people with amplification and lights and people screaming and energy and sweat off the walls? And what is that? People are looking for some relief. People are looking to sometimes at, attach something that helps them decorate time, and I think music is the best way to decorate time with. You know what it also is? It's an unfiltered message that can't be altered. It can't be altered. And dude, lyrics on this record, no one could tell you what to say. I mean, you said some shit on this record, <laughs> right? And and if 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 there were people, there were a lot of people out there, I'm sure, who would love to have told you what to say, and you didn't. Yeah. So it is unfiltered by its very nature and unfiltered experience. Yeah. You could apply that to a lot of what has happened, like even from at the driving, even and to people's favorite musicians that were in the band like don't stray from that state of that you know and you just got to pay attention like both perspectives are it's not working so why put me your mental health at risk mm. so that you can have a youtube moment and see your favorite artist have a breakdown on stage you know yeah. that people don't work it don't work but and a lot of the times people will have that really strange stereotype of like well, it's the tension that works, and that's what we like hearing. It's like, oh, that's cool it's for you. Justification. You get to go home, and you get to. Justification of buying a ticket. We're in the bus with these people, you right. know. And if we're not getting along, we're not getting along. And I don't want to force. I was them talking to, to my be. friends who are DJs about this, right? Because when I was DJing a lot for ten years, I was doing a lot of touring as a DJ, and we were told the whole time, "You guys won the lottery," you know. You guys won the lottery. You get to go up on stage, play records, get paid, get drinks. Blah, blah, blah. And I was saying, man, what, what people didn't realize was that every one of those kids who showed up at a club got, went back to work the next day and got back into some regular routine. The DJ went off into it night after night, 250 shows. Right. 
what going on at one in the morning and like yeah, what it you, entails, right? The reality of the reality of the whole day, yeah, the whole thing. And yeah, you can make your bed, man, but you know, it's it's a it's it's a heavy it's a heavy existence, and it I think is. we have to acknowledge it because otherwise it's just an unfair trade. Mm-hmm. It's just right. an unfair right. trade. Real talk. Why did you guys? I mean, was it okay? Let me start with a positive. Was the at the driving reunion fun for you? I think at first it was, but then you know it kind of like uh, it it had a lot of unsolved issues from from back then. Mainly the main one being, like, we were uh, following the guidelines of the mental health rule we had placed for each other, and uh, some of you guys didn't really follow that. And you went and sought, some people sought the advice of pop stars who I had no affinity with, mm. and those pop stars were like, no, stay, stay the course. And I just thought, well, that's another reason why I don't like your music or you as a person, because you don't understand the human part of it, yet your music tends to bring people together and say, hey, take care of that part of your life. But, you know, you guys stay in the job, stay in the job. Um, So it was a lot of unresolved issues, and we had to come and sort of like say, look, look, we're starting over again, and it it really wasn't easy, you know, because, I mean, especially the way we told everyone how we were breaking that band up, you know. There was a... Jim was getting married at the time and for us it was like we had been holding on to this like no there is a mental health issue I understand it's probably a up time to tell you this right now you're getting married but we're leaving you know like no one had our back in the band at the time so it might seem really messed up that we're doing this at this opportunity but for us we're saving ourselves here and we have to say it now or you're going to find out some other way and, you know, we'd rather be adults about it. So there, that was still there on the table when the band got back together for sure. You know, that kind of like um, untrustworthiness, you know. And um, and the trauma of how everyone experienced yeah, it all yeah, around. Yeah, it's a trauma you know? thing, right? Yeah. We're actually quite simple creatures. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we store these things and, you know, I'm such a f-ing fan of therapy because it just, it is the great unraveling of those things. You know what I mean, and and especially when you know, music is 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 the reason that it happened. It's the magical shit that only happens when you all come together. Whether it's Mars of Alter or whether, you know, it's at the driver or any of the the projects you work on. It's the music, but the people who make it, we bring all of that. Mm-hmm. We we sure do, and it's know? it sticks with you if you never resolved it. And then you try to get in a room and say, like, hey, let's let's try to do it again. Like, you really, that was our original hometown gang. So we have to go back and be like, look, we don't hate each other. We have had issues. I think we can resolve them. And it was a lot harder than it seemed. And I think in trying to do that, I wasn't even um, aware of one of the biggest issues was between him and I, really, at the time, you know. So here I was trying to repair and help repair these relationships and uh, give advice and stuff when I didn't have my personal shit together, which is really, I mean, he had his shit together a lot going through what he was going through, but um, it was almost like, I'm going to sound like a hippie now, but it's like the universe is going, no, this is the time to re- try to repair this. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't, uh, it was fun, but, um, and it was emotional, but it wasn't easy. You know, it's, it's a lot of, rock musicians are magnets for dysfunction. You know, and our therapy is is the performance, and that doesn't. That's not always good therapy. You know, it's it's not always gonna fix it. Primal scream therapy only works so much. 
Yeah, you so know, true. you got to try yes. the other avenues. You got to well, get yeah. to what happened to you as a kid. Yeah, you got to look. It's the work. <laughs> that's the thing, and that's what you said before we talked about parenthood, right? There's no, there is no replacement for the work. I remember when I sat down with my therapist, and I was, I was in the worst place ever. I mean, the first time I ever did therapy was awesome, and I sat down and I was just broken. And he said to me, "You don't mind me sharing, do you?" No, 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 please. And he, and, he, and he said to me, "He said, what do you, what do you want?" And I said, oh, "I just want to go back." Like, I want to go back. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, can I just rewind and just go back to what it was when I had, well, I was clueless. Mm-hmm, right. That was what was in front of me. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And he said, you got, you got, I got good news and I got bad news. The bad news is you're here. There ain't no going back. <laughs> right. Like, I'm really sorry, but this is it. Like, right. starting lines only. You know what I mean? But he said, if you stick it out and if you trust the process and you, and you let me fucking help you and you do the work. I'll never forget it. If you do the work, hard fucking work, straight up guy, guy from the Southern States of America, guy, old guy called Charlie. If you do the work, Zane, <laughs> you'll come through the other side. And, and four years later, I was like at a point where I knew that I could actually start to rebuild. And it was like, it was a real fucking time. There is no replacement for work. And you're right. Reuniting beloved rock bands is not work. <laughs> it's not doing right. the work. Yeah. Right. right? It's a temporary distraction like yay one arm scissor awesome not everyone has the money to buy a life coach like metallica does and that's beautiful that they could do that because you know and then they you know at the end they end up not wanting to work with them anymore and they're like okay we we got a little more you Can know. we just acknowledge that that's one of the greatest documentary movies of fantastic. all in time? I, I would delete that. Yeah. That is my favorite. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no one ever makes it that big. He, we, he, would, he was a fan I of our band. I would delete that I would you. say, I would, I, I would say delete that. <laughs> I actually say that in my everyday life. And one time I was in Copenhagen on a bus after a U2 show. And we have a U2 our last is never far behind and Lars was on the bus with his dad and his dad just went to get up and I looked at him and I, was, and I said to him be so just proud like, of me right, 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 right. <laughs> I, said, I said to him I would delete that <laughs> it's the most amazing reaction to music I mean if you're ever going to be honest with someone you love do it like that yeah just straight into the point Like his dad no, is cool uh, we've met that guy and like he came to Volta shows Dude, people fucking love the Volta. <laughs> Hetfield loves the Volta. Yeah, that we we met them in New Zealand. They came to our show and they were like, "Are you going to play this song?" We're like, "No, we don't play that anymore. Sorry." And he's there. I'm like, "God, we should play it for him at least." Did you play it? No, <laughs> and we did. We didn't play. It. We were very stubborn about where we were. It was something from the first record, so we were like, "We're." Here now, you know, we understand people really love that, but we're very selfish like that. But, That's what he would have wanted. But it was me. cool to meet them, you know, it was like, wow. I, I was at one of their rehearsals once and they played that song. They you know did? How, you know Metallica they did? Yeah, you know, they would re- they play? They, 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 Inter- you're talking about inertia? Yeah. 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 yeah they, you know how they like re- rehearse or just jam <laughs> before going on stage? They played at the stadium like in walking distance from my house when I lived in Mexico. Yeah. So they live right. So, so they played right at the Estadio de los Tecos, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Guadalajara, if I got that wrong. They're very particular about their... Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but so I walked up there, got in and stuff, and they invited me back there. And then uh, I could just see them, like, whispering something. and then, Yeah, and then they played 
inertiatic. Wow. Crazy. Wow. With Laz? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it was it was really cool. That's amazing. With Laz? It was really cool. I mean, I felt honored just to be back there because that's their like private time before they go on stage. And the fact that they felt that they invited me, yeah, to be in their space was really like felt really beautiful, you know, and and just, uh, you know, we all grew up with that. We all grew up with that stuff, you know, and. It's the beauty of Big Day Out bringing everyone together. Wasn't it the best festival? It was. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, no one touches Dude, that no more. Th someone's got to do that traveling roadshow again. You have two, three days off. He's going fucking boat in Sydney. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful, man. And the festival people more than anything, right? Because they made it a point to like set yeah. it up so that you can mm -hmm. like um, spend time together yeah, spend, and get to know. And the stages weren't gigantic, yeah. and it was like you know the crowd was. We would man, we're good down there. We love music mm -hmm. down there. And it was eclectic. I mean, I know things have gone more that way now, but before festivals were yeah. very yeah. much one type of thing, and big day out was ahead of the game on mm -hmm. that, of just having all sorts of different yeah. types of artists. You I know. saw you at a big day out in Auckland that year, that, and uh, you f***ing leveled the place. I mean, you, you were, I mean, at that moment in time, for that incarnation of the band, mm -hmm. it was like you guys were just f***ing like on the 100-foot wave. <laughs> I just felt like you were so... And that's nice. I was going to give do my last impression. I could give you my last impression. So I was there when they were doing that movie. I, I came in to do some some EPK work for that album that was being finished. I had no idea that they were doing a documentary. And they were like, hey, do you mind if we have some cameras around here? And there's a life coach over there. And so I met Phil. And, and they only had, Metallica only had two magazines in their, in their kitchen. One was Fortune and the other one was Spin. I was like, it's so perfect. <laughs> it's so perfect. Do we read about money or do we read about competition? Which one do we read about? <laughs> they are on that episode of Billions. Seriously, you know, exactly. I saw that going, I don't really think that's that far off. Is this, not, it wasn't you know, it's that not far a critique off. on them or anything. No, of course not, bro. It's, but back then, that's where what they, they are. Were. Exactly. Yeah. And they've changed now. And I've met them many times since then. And they, uh, they've done the work. They've done the work. They've done the work. They've done the work. Really but back then, they were at the start of the work. And Hatfield would come in, his dog would always roll in first <laughs> and like scope the place. And then Hatfield would walk in. It was like clockwork. Oh, and I remember wow. Phil asked me if I wanted a session with him. He's like, you know, I'm not just here for the band. I'm happy to sit down and talk through anything you got going on. I'm like, bro, I don't know what the <laughs> I'm doing here. I've been here four days. I'm just waiting to talk to fucking Rob, you know? <laughs> In that moment, and it's very different, and we're gonna, I want to come back to this album and, and the way it's going to be, you know, created in, in front of a crowd and, and the, whole, the whole tone. But when you're in that space, when Mars Volta are in that space where it's all instinct at that point on stage and it's just all feel, what are you even conscious of, if anything at all, when I feel like your band is spiraling off into outer space? From, from the crowd, it's what it feels like. How are you even conscious of it being a structured environment or are you just literally living for each moment, each note, each nuance of what you're all doing in that moment in time, it's waiting being for it to resolve itself? It's just yes. being present. How is it the most just, present thing in yeah, the world is my yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, when you were saying, what, is it, what are you, I think it's just you disappear into the other person, right? Into him, into whoever's drumming. Mm -hmm. It's like that you're so present and it's, you're so in tune with actually what's happening in real life and actually listening and not, that's the only time it works, by the way, right? Yeah. It's like you can only go there if if you're listening, if you're not thinking about what it is. If you don't think about your, yourself. Your thing yeah. is, right, right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If you're listening and you're just looking and absorbing and you're that present, then you just seem to absorb with that person. And once you absorb with those people, then you absorb into, you know, 
whatever all it this becomes. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then so you just become, and then it's just all the zone, as they it's say. The, no, but it's the most <laughs> it's the most present you've you'll ever feel is in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's like real life just happening, you know, on a whole just micro level, I guess, or, or something in a way that you could sort of decipher where real life could, you know, become very complicated with all its new nuances. Yeah, I was you know? going to say, when yeah. you can, then when you come back to real life, it almost must be like, that's why people who, f-ing, that's why those great players got f-ed up all the time when they weren't on stage, right? That's yeah. why... That's why Bird, that was like, I can't handle it. Yeah. Like when I'm playing, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm me. I'm who I am. When I'm not, I need to Which goes back to that temptation. It goes back to that temptation of just like then, because you understand that, then just do that all the time and forget about being a person. Yeah. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It'll catch up with you at some point. Yeah, or you die. Or you die. Or you die. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have to like be able to walk away from the thing and then and then just be a person and be present in your real life and be present for other people and not only giving your ability to be present for this be a coward yeah you know. be a coward yeah. don't be afraid to be a coward right yeah for sure i mean i've had that i've had that humble pie given to me at home we don't we don't need the lead singer of the mars volta we need we need <laughs> right. dad right now yeah real talk yeah and it it makes you, it's like like ego uh, you're right what am I thinking of that doesn't work for everything you know and because you constructed an identity in order to protect who you really are guess who knows who you really are the people who love you more than anything who uh, just love you no matter what yeah and they're like cool you want to go and like put that cape on by all means (laughs) but don't put it on here yeah it doesn't work here (laughs) (laughs) that is man you're lucky that's, I am very lucky. We are all lucky to have that in our life. Uh-huh. Some people don't make it that far. Yeah. The identity becomes the person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what Hitfield was f-ing saying in the movie the whole time. And they got ripped for that film. I know. Right. They got destroyed. Talk about being ahead of the curve on mental health. It took the hardest man in rock to say it. Yep. Right? Seriously. He's f-ing the closest thing to John Wayne in the 21st century. <laughs> right. And, and imagine right. if John Wayne came out and went, I don't really want to shoot you, partner. I'm having a mental health crisis. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's I don't no know what way. I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling Let's conflicted. About it. I, I know yeah. you're a horse thief, but I'm somewhat <laughs> conflicted about taking your life right now. And you fancy getting in a cold suds and discussing it? Right. <laughs> and the whole generation of being like, well, if we're from that generation, we would just internalize it. I'm like, yeah, but where do you think it's going to like have? Yeah, where's it going to go, though? You don't want to be around when it comes out because that's crazy. Just the organism that we have been gifted, the idea that our body is able to function with a mind and feel something that's attached to a soul to create something like this music in itself is like the greatest gift ever. You must recognize now more than ever with this band, like how lucky you really are. You just saw me cry. (laughs) So yeah, Yeah. it's, you know, and it's, it's just deeper than that. It's just deeper than it being a band. It's a it's a family. This yeah, is a, it's a friendship. This it's is a, a family. It's a yeah. The reason why my mom says, you know, that's, you know, I don't think we look alike, but my mom's like, you look alike because we're in each, <laughs> we're in each other's. We've melted into each other, you know, and it's beyond any of the people saying like they're weird. They share shirts, you know. They blah blah blah. I think at the time, like when that drive-in happened, the immediate critique was they are gay and on drugs. Say that nowadays. Say that nowadays. See how far it's going to get you, 
Right, and it's like, oh, no, it's a compliment like, now. Yeah, yeah, like okay. it's a compliment now. <laughs> what? Hey, those two guys are gay on drugs. I love those guys. Yeah, right. yeah. no, for sure. It, it was always two bands. That band, it just was. It was you two, and it was the other three. And I've got no other. I mean, I love Sparta and that whole thing, and great, and awesome. And when you were a band, it was great, and and it and it actually was a beautiful thing. It was like quick and fast and to the point and out, right? And the reunion was what it was. Mm-hmm. Loved the show, saw it, felt really grateful. Felt like you were doing it for me, actually. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It felt like a gift. It did. It felt like a gift in a strange way. But uh, it was always two bands. And, you know, like when Mars Volta came, it, like, it, I, I recognized that this was going to be the what it was going to be. Didn't realize it was going to take the twists and the turns and the ups and the downs, the challenges and the triumphs. But it felt like you two were just, felt like it was meant to be. There's a reason why we've just always hung out with each other and why we needed something like Mars Volta where... The, the word no wasn't there, you know? With all We're due, having to justify things. Yeah, with like all due respect things. to those guys, because I, I love those guys. Even even if for some people in, in that band we might be a bit estranged, you know, like, I still have love for them. Like, I still have, have love for them, you know? Should anything happen to any of those people? Uh, we're on good relations with some, not so much with others, but, uh, I you know, I'd hate to hear of anything bad happening to them, you know, and... That's reason why you have such strong reactions with each other because you're friends and you say the most uncomfortable shit because you kind of want each other to grow. That's called know? experience. It's experience over ego, really. If you have the experiences, then no one can ever take them away from you, right? But when you when you put it into the construct of like breakdown of communication and how it affects me personally and what I think and how it makes my stomach churn and all that shit, that's all just cerebral <laughs> that's a cool thing too yeah that point about experience it's like no matter if you have a falling out with them like nothing changes the fact that they're that they're part of your roots Correct. right that we experience this whole weird thing together about having a career and like being out there and growing up i mean we were 18 like we, we became adults sort of <laughs> that's what <laughs> i mean opportunity is wasted on the, the youth i mean right. you know it, it, it this <laughs> There's no other way that that band could have gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think when you get back to this album and everyone's like, oh man, you know, it's it's not the out the drive from 2003. Gives off. Mm. It's perfect Mars Volta music for now. But that's such a nice perspective just because a lot of people don't have it. A lot of people remove the humanity part of it, right? Like, which is exactly what you're describing. Like, oh yeah, there's this thing that came out of it that that I love and I've attached certain things to, but these are people. And they do have a life and they do have families and they, they are feeling things. So, you know, it moves into this weird territory with, with the, um, how someone might enjoy something, like you said, this album versus that album and sort of the fascism, you know what I mean? The artistic fascism, <laughs> the artistic that, that, fascism. Yeah, that comes with that. Yeah. And like, you know, imagine like wanting to be free of that already in society as it is already as, as minorities, as queer, as whatever. And then, and then to have it in high school and then to have it all around you and then in your work and blah, blah, blah. And then to go do art and think that you're free and then all of a sudden have people come around you and be like, you should do this. Yeah. And if you don't do that, you're shit. How disappointing. You know what I mean? And it's the same. It's like you're back, in, you're back in high school and you're yeah. back around bullies and you're back around these fascists and, and you just have to make your, your own way of, like, of dealing with it or of like pushing it out or, you know, or, or of just fortifying yourself to where you just understand well that's their human experience mm-hmm. that they feel okay and if you lead with your vulnerability it'll it'll make them feel uncomfortable and that's the job because it makes you reflect it or it'll make them reflect years from there going 
that's what I was grappling with, and I put that onto you. And then, right. you know? and then you reach Tom York level, <laughs> <laughs> right? Where that guy was just like, I could give off what you want. It's only this way, mm-hmm. or there is nothing here yeah. for you to listen to. Yeah. You know, and now we go back and listen to these albums that we're all scratching our heads about, and it's like, oh, my God, Nesiac's my favorite hit record. You know, it's just so funny how we're catching up to the greats. You are that band too, though. Oh, you are. Oh, thank you. You've always done that. Oh. You've always pushed us in a, in the right way, and you've done it again. It's thank you, it's just man. beautiful, man. Flash burns. What a moment that is. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's one of that's my a, favorite yeah. ones. That's one where I That's would, uh, when I'd get my CD of the <laughs> finished product, I just kept playing that over and over, and 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 I, my soul just had a smile going. I could dance to this forever, and that is a whole nother sort of inspiration, you know, not just the emotion of a lyric or something, but to hear a piece of music and go, I just want to get lost in this for hours and like a rave or something, you know. That was, and then with Black Light Shines. Oh, I was about yeah, to tell he, you. Yeah, yeah. When I first got that, like I, I jumped up in the air and I immediately started crying. I was about and to tell just, her from the other end, which is like, oh. I, no, I wanted to tell him that story that like sent when I was uh, um, building that track. I literally like the thought, once I received it and I was putting it down, the, the, tri- the love that I was trying to give it, um, in my head I just kept picturing... I wish I would have told that first. I just Sorry. kept picturing. No, no, no. I just thought of it right now as you were talking about it. I just kept, as I added things or was like changing things in the arrangement, I just kept thinking of like, um, what would be that combination? What would make Cedric dance and also cry at the same time? But I never mentioned it to you, right? Never. Did I ever mention it to you? I never mentioned it to him. Sent him the CD. And then like weeks later, uh, he calls me and he was like, I was dancing and I was crying when that one track came on. And that one was Blacklight. The, the, I was like, okay, then it has to be the opener to the album. And that that's um, what my wife said when I played her the record. And she said it jokingly like, she said it jokingly like this. She said, she's ain't going to know if they're going to la- laugh, cry, <laughs> or dance. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well then I guess job well done then. Yes, <laughs> right. That's my favorite kind of music. <laughs> yeah, I have a, a funny story to finish. Well, you did a, a Made of session for me one time, and uh, ah, it was amazing. Right. And um, you did three songs mm-hmm. that came in at like an hour and 12 minutes, <laughs> which was incredible. Like we, just, we wanted to play the whole thing, which I think we did play it once. And then the, the story was like, okay, but we want to play one song again and again and again. And the, the shortest one was like 19 minutes or something. And, and so... I said, okay, well, I'm not editing it. <laughs> you can do it. Like, if you think you're brave enough to get inside their thought process enough to know where something edits, go for your life. But I am not doing that, right? So my friend, man, I can't remember what he did, but it was like, you guys were in full force. I can't remember the name of the song you guys played at the time. But it was just like... And he just was like... He had no idea. And I watched him all day with his headphones on, scrolling up and down the audio file, trying to figure it out. And he just took this one moment in the song. Maybe it was John. must have been John. Just hit this like, done. And you went back in again. Mm-hmm. And he just took that, done. And it was like, <laughs> 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 just By the way, that's the best Mars Voltaire impression that we did. <laughs> 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 That's better than the Jonah Hill. 
No, flawless. Yeah, was flawless. That in the um, shreds. Oh, that was amazing. I think our shreds is the best one. Shreds is incredible. Ours is the best one. Hands down, that that felt like what it must have felt like uh, if you were a generation younger and Weird Al Yankovic. Yes, you know what I mean. Like it's like okay, wow, that's really something happened here. Someone needs to resurrect that shreds because there's a lot of real prime candidates for shreds now, like the new generation of. The mic is on, but everything else is on. Microphone is on. Microphone is on, but everything else is. And he or she, whoever does those, they like really got surreal with like really in the spirit of the bet. Like, I would have really loved got to have visited them in the middle of the night, bring a joint, be like, I want to see how you do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, just, I love the fact that they really understood like in their head what you were like when things were going wrong, like yeah. how you would have genuinely reacted to that yeah. shit. It's like just the imagine, just the, the impression of you just like being that even when things are wrong. Yeah. Just being like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, can we do this again sometime? Yes, please. please and thank do. you. Yeah. Oh, look, I loved it. And um, thank you for always speaking highly of, of us. You know, you've uh, you've helped keep the uh, electricity and gas on in our homes, and you know what I mean. Like, turn us on to to people that wouldn't have taken a chance on us through your show. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for that. This is a that's it's my pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for listening. For more conversations, don't forget to follow this show and leave a review. Zane will be back next time for another brand new episode.